I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Stuck in Stony Brook. Hi there, welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, our podcast about the Babysitter's Club. This is our prologue episode. Um, the babysitters of the Babysitter's Club were stuck in the fictional town of Stony Brook, Connecticut, and in middle school for 14 years, and we are three adult women who are emotionally stuck there too. We're doing this <laughs> prologue episode. <laughs> we're doing this prologue episode so we don't have to tell you every time who we are and why we're doing this. So I'm Esme Schaller. I'm a clinical psychologist with a specialization in adolescence. Um, I'm a professor at University of California, San Francisco, and um, I work with teens with difficulties with emotion dysregulation. Um, and I started reading The Babysitter's Club when I was in the third grade, when the books came out, and uh, I have loved them ever since. And we're going to tell you a little bit about each of our areas of expertise and why we're here talking to you about this. Here's Anne. My name is Anne Shikala. I'm a freelance writer. I currently write about all types of things, but in the first half of my career, I really focused on teen media. So I was an entertainment editor at a teen magazine called Elle Girl for five years where I interviewed and covered pop culture. Um, I also um, started my own website about four teens, about teen news, and I pretty much have been enmeshed in the teen world for the past 20 years, even though I am in my 40s. Um, and this is Emily. Hi. Emily here. <laughs> I'm Emily Crandall. Um, I have a PhD in political theory with a specialization in feminist thought and environmental political thought. Not sure that will make much of an appearance here, but we'll see. <laughs> um, and I'm an adjunct professor in the CUNY system, City University of New York, in political science. So we decided to do this podcast because I have two daughters, they're nine and 11, and they have been reading The Babysitter's Club voraciously. And I started picking up the books they were reading and also reading some to them and then started texting Anne and Emily, knowing that they also love the Babysitter's Club with some questions that I was asking as an adult that I was not asking as a nine-year-old when I first read these books. Um, the first of which, which I'm still really anxious to talk about, and I'm sure we'll spend a long time, is like, what was going on with Mrs. Pike's fertility family planning? Um, <laughs> like, I really don't get it because they're very clear that the Pikes are like very laid back and they're not religious, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, there's a few different religions that are known for having very large families. But my specific question was like, okay, so Mrs. Pike has Mallory and she's one year old and then literally she has triplets so she's got a one-year-old and newborn triplets. And then Vanessa's born one year later. So she's got like a two-year-old and three one-year-olds that she decides to have another baby. And there's like, that's that's not a thing. I don't understand how that would ever happen. So um, I kept asking these questions and we decided that maybe we needed to talk about these issues in a more formal way, especially given our different areas of expertise. So let's get into how we know each other. Um Emily and I are not just some people. Esme met on a Babysitter's Club message board. But I've known Esme since the first day of second grade. Um, we grew up together in Sacramento, California. Whoop, whoop. And 
That's right. For those of you who don't know, Sacramento is in California. Um, <laughs> back in the day, you used to get these little leaflets of paper from the Scholastic Book Club, and you would kind of check off the books you wanted to read, and you'd like your parents would write them a check, and you get them and get them at school. And we both signed. We both got the four box set of the Babysitters Club, which included the four first books of the series, and then we pretty much became obsessed for like the next. I don't know. I guess until now. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know that that's ended. Anne and I are both wearing uh, bespoke Babysitters Club T-shirts that my husband had made for us um, as we record this podcast. They're the Ramon logo. With um... I did not realize he had them made. I thought he found them. <laughs> I found an image of it and then I couldn't find the shirt. And so then he took the image. Whoever's, whoever made this, I want to give you a lot of money. It's the Ramones logo, but it says Stacy, Marianne, Christy, and Claudia on it. Anyway, go on, Anne. Well, yeah. So we, we joined the Babysitter's Club fan club. We bought, at the end of every book, there was always like a scholastic, like little marketing thing about what you can buy. So Esme bought um, the, the uh, VHS TV shows. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, Say hello to your friends. Yes. Would you like to see that? No. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Only if you'll sing it with me. Um, I think we'd have to pay a fee to somebody somewhere. Um, Yeah, I don't know how many I had. Probably like eight. Right. So... So after these first four books, you know, of, of course, Anna Martin went on to publish many, many of them. We knew when they were going to be on sale at the at the Walden Bookstore in the mall. I believe it was at first Florin Mall. That was yeah. that was <laughs> that was that was the only mall in Sacramento at the time. Um, and we'd race there, and we'd buy and we'd buy two copies if we weren't together. And then we would read them the same day and just read it pretty much over and over again until the next book came out. Accurate. Mm-hmm. So so that's what Anne and I were doing in the 80s when Emily was just a twinkle in my sister's eye. So I have to explain <laughs> that I have a very... Um, complicated, blended family. My parents were both married before they married each other. So I have a bunch of half-siblings on both sides. And Emily's mom, Dana, is my oldest half-sister on my mom's side. So we are 19 years apart, me and Dana. And so she had her first child, my lovely niece, Emily, in 1988 when I was 10 years old. And um, we have remained rather close over the years. She's the, she is the closest family member I have in age to me because everybody <laughs> in my family is old. That is true. <laughs> so, um, Emily, how did you find the Babysitter's Club? So Esme gave me her Babysitter's Club books when I, um, uh, my yeah. guess is it's when I went to college. When you went to college? When yeah. So 96, which would make 96. sense. So you started okay. reading them so at the I same age. Been... Eight. Yeah, so I would have been eight. Um, and Esme gave them her entire collection to me and my younger sister with the, uh, the promise that, or in return for the promise that we would give them back to her someday when she had her own kids and 
we did give them back to her, but they were not in tip-top shape because we love them so much. We read them uh, so hard. Forward. We read them so hard. We ripped them. I don't know what we did. Well, I think <laughs> your dad is still. Yeah, and your dad is still hoarding all the super specials someplace. He he didn't want to give them up. I don't know why. What if it turns out that I had them this whole time? I like brought them with me to college and then to New York, <laughs> and they're just in my home. You're never getting those back. Um, so. I loved the Babysitter's Club books as a kid. My sister and I both did. But I got really into the California Diaries <laughs> spinoff series. And I didn't, it's been a really long time since I've read or consumed anything Babysitter's Club. So I'm really looking forward to reading these for the first time as an adult and like refreshing my mind on the things that I thought I remembered about them. We'll get to this in a minute. But, um, you know, I'm curious to see whether my own assessment of which character I am holds up <laughs> as we as we move through um, the books again. So my memories of the Babysitter's Club are really kind of faint and unspecific, but I remember loving every minute of reading them. I'm curious to see what what I pick up on this time around. In that vein, I think I'm a Don. I remember strongly identifying with Don as a kid, but I'm not sure whether that's because she's the only character from California. And I feel very strongly uh, that the sort of California rubric of identity applies to me. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm curious to see whether, whether I still identify with her or whether those sort of broad stroke, uh, what are those called? Stereotypes. Yeah, uh, stereotypes, generalizations about Californians are real or whether they're <laughs> some weird East Coast thing. Where is Anna Martin from? She's from the East Coast. Her dad was a New Yorker cartoonist. I think she grew okay. up like in and around New York and Connecticut. Yeah. Um, I also, just on the cursory reread we've done for the beginning sketches of this, I'm I'm picking up a little bit of Marianne in, in myself as well. I'm, I tend to be very, very sensey. And I, I identify with her uh, sort of frustration when people aren't getting along <laughs> and her, her sadness at conflict and um, discord. So mm -hmm. we'll see. I want, I'm curious about how, how those percentages will match up against one another as we move through the books. <laughs> and what character are you? Well, obviously I'm a Claudia, and not just because we're both Japanese. <laughs> There are other similarities besides the way we look. Um, I mean, I, when I was, you know, a kid, I thought it was really, I was like, whoa, there's another Japanese person in this book that I can relate to, which at the time seemed different, but also not that big of a deal um, just because, you know, I'm a kid and my family, you know, I see a lot of Asian people at home, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> It wasn't that weird. Plus, we lived in California, and there were a lot of Asian people in Sacramento. Sacramento, um, yeah, Sacramento especially had a lot of Japanese yeah. Americans. Yeah. So right, um, but also what I really identified was with that Claudia isn't a stereotypically good student, which I kind of felt also even in the fourth grade. I just didn't have a lot of drive. I was the I was the kid whose teacher told her parents, if Anne just really applied herself, she could be really great. Um, and also she really liked candy, which of course everyone likes candy, but even as an adult, 
I'm what, currently what foley art are you doing there? <laughs> oh um, my god! This is this is a little fun size Kit Kat I'm eating right now. Um, I really do like candy, and in fact, it was just my birthday, and for my birthday, I received a, a cake made out of candy, um, a five pound <laughs> bag of gummy bears, uh, four <laughs> large bags of mini Cadbury eggs. Um, <laughs> Uh, my parents sent me some uh, like snack size Milano cookies that were obviously bought at Costco. They just threw a bunch in a box for me. <laughs> this is her, this is her forty second birthday audience. Yes, yes. <laughs> not her so, second. <laughs> um, I also remember when I was uh, a kid, my brother, um, who has some similarities to to. Claudia's older sister Janine, which we'll learn more about her later. But my brother really liked to make uh, home movies, and when I was a kid, he made one where he took my grandpa's like it was like a, an old Impala, and he told me to stand on the sidewalk. And when he came up to me, he was going to drive up beside me, and he was going to try to kidnap me. <laughs> and and the way he lured me into the car, because I was like, no, no, my parents said not to talk to strangers. He held out <laughs> some candy, <laughs> which then my direction was to dive through the passenger side window. <laughs> and then, anyway, so my connection to candy is very strong. Um, I also relate with the way Anna Martin um, portrayed Asian families, which is kind of unemotional and distant, <laughs> which, you know, my parents are great, but they are, you know, first and second generation. Um, so, you know, there was a big expectation of doing well in school, but then also not getting any praise for it. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I was really um, intrigued with how Anna Martin kind of fleshed out Claudia's story because uh, also, Claudia's really good at art, and while I'm not as good as her, I had an interest in art, which is something I also related to. And then you had a lot person... of contests and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, don't think okay. I realized how strong your connection to candy was. Oh, so so strong. It's it's stronger, very stronger than our 35 year friendship, Emily. Yeah. Also, when I had office jobs, I would I was called the snack bitch. Because I would always bring in, like, in in a, in a endearing way. But yeah. I like having a table of candy and snacks for everyone. So once a week, I would go to, like, CVS or Rite Aid and just buy a bunch of, like, blow pops or whatever for everyone. It just, you know, makes people happy. Awesome. Yeah. And anyway, so as me, yeah. who probably bears the most resemblance to her Babysitter's Club character... Take it, Esme. <laughs> They're laughing so hard at me, you guys. Um, I, as a kid, I remember really identifying with Marianne because I was a very shy younger kid. Um, but I really? basically, yeah, a little, yeah, before you were born, Emily, <laughs> um, in true. like early elementary school, I was super shy and I was teased a lot in elementary school too. Um, so I was pretty retiring. And then I got to middle school and I was like, 
I'm going to take life by the horns. Like I literally thought that to myself in seventh grade. And then I became a Christie and I've never looked back. So I, I, I don't think I, I don't have a lot of similarities to Christie's life story. My parents aren't divorced. I grew up like a functional only child because my older siblings were so much older than me and didn't live in the house. Um, so, um, but I always really loved kids and I always had a lot of ideas And, um, from a really early age, starting in middle school, probably I was often like put in charge of things, even when I didn't necessarily want to be in charge of things. It was like group project. Well, as me, you'll be the leader. Right. Um, and that like still happens to me. I, I, you know, I got selected for a jury and I was uh, like, looked around and said, so who should be foreman? And they're like, seems like you should be the foreman, (laughs) like within two seconds. So I'm the director at my job. I was like student body president in high school. I like, this podcast would get really long and boring if I listed all of the leadership roles I've had across the course of my life. Um, and wow. I am, I am bossy. Uh, it's true. <laughs> it's like, bossy. Um, but again, I, I don't, um, I really, uh, and especially rereading now as an adult, I really appreciate Christy um, and her chutzpah and her assertiveness. And um, I, I'm interested to see how the descriptions of her bossiness, like which of them are sort of tainted with sexism uh, that she's getting portrayed as bossy because she's a girl versus which of them are admiring. I remember them as mostly admiring. And uh, as Anna Martin has said several times that she's a Marianne and her best friend, Beth Perkins, was Christy and she really looked up to her. Um, So I think it's mostly a loving portrait, but it'll be interesting to see how it develops across the course of the series. But I have I am also very klutzy and not good at sports. So there's like a lot of functional, but like temperament wise, I'm definitely a Christy. This is true. Uh, This is true. (laughs) As someone, wait, is Christy, does Christy dominate everyone in games? Uh, That's a good question. I I haven't seen that recently in the rereads I've been doing with my girls. We'll we'll have to see, but I am good at games. Anne is also very, all of us are good at games. The three of us on a team would be unstoppable. Oh yeah, we should play Time's Up together. It depends. Oh, I'm very good at guessing. If Esme, if there's like some sort of pantomiming thing and Esme's doing it, I can, remember Lion Teamer? Yeah. Yeah. Anne and I, well, that's the 35 years, right? Like I can do like a yeah. little movement of my pinky and Anne will know that I mean Lion Tamer. Yes. <laughs> know what that means. <laughs> Emily, what, what can people expect from this podcast? Well, so in addition to us sort of tracking our own character arcs and seeing whether the archetypes hold water, um, we're going to be reading the book starting from the beginning and each episode will track one book. And the goal is to sort of bring our adult lenses and expertises to bear on books that we loved as kids. So from Esme, you can expect uh, some analysis of the sort of psychological developmental aspects of the books and their friendships and uh, the coming of age stuff. From Anne, you can expect a lot of um, pop culture commentary, some contextualization, (laughs) and some reflections on candy (laughs) and junk food in general. And for me, you'll get some of the gender analysis of the sort of gender politics of the books and the dynamics of the family. And we'll talk, maybe we'll talk about Marx. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) We definitely will. Emily's here. (laughs) Given that it's also, you know, a book tracking the emerging entrepreneurial spirit. I'm sure there will be some relevant discussions of capitalism. Absolutely. 
Great. So welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, everybody. We hope you'll launch right in with episode one of Christy's Great Idea. Um, and if they want more information about us, where can they find it? Well, you can find, we're on Instagram, uh, at Stuck in Stony Brook. Um, follow us. Also, you go to stuckinstonybrook.com where you can learn more about us and also um, give a little read of the podcast notebook, which is, you know, <clears throat> it's an honor of the the club notebook, which was something I believe Christy thought of. Is that correct? Yeah, Christy made everybody do it. But in this case, Anne's making us do it. This is true. So the Babysitter's Club Notebook. One Christy moment. The Babysitter's Club Notebook was, you know, a little journal they kept um, to take notes after every babysitting gig so the other three could know what to expect and learn about the kids and any trouble they got into. So the podcast notebook is our thoughts, our individual thoughts after we read each book. So you can go there. Our very interesting, uh, uh, funny, humorous, emotional, gut-wrenching synopsis <laughs> of each book. Accurate. hundred percent. hundred percent. Gut-wrenching. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, right? All right. Shall we have a pizza toast to this new endeavor? Let's well, do should it. Should we explain pizza toast. pizza toast first? Because people would be think, like, I what the fuck are they talking I don't think we need to explain. I don't know. I don't know if we need to explain everything because I feel like it's going to be people that are interested in the Babysitter's Club. A pizza toast to our prologue. Pizza toast. Pizza toast. <laughs> this episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kid. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash Stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for. 